You're listening to the Carterville Church Life Podcast. I love our church family, and I hope that you do too. Our goal is that the episodes of this podcast would keep us connected and focused while we're scattered for our week on missions together. I hope that you're blessed by what you hear today. Hey, church family, welcome back to the podcast. I'm so glad to have you on. Today, I'm excited about our episode because I get to have a conversation with a friend. Tony Lyman is with me in the podcast studio, which is my office. So, Tony, thanks a ton for making time to be with us today. Thank you for having me, Ben. I'm I'm glad we can talk into a microphone together. We've always talked face to face, and now we have a microphone in between us. Well, thanks for Does sharing. Does that make it more special? It makes it more. It makes it more memorable. All right, because for it's sure. re- because it's recorded. Exactly. You know, what's interesting is that you and I have had conversations in the last few months where, when we finished, we said, "Wow, I wish we'd recorded that." Exactly. And we're actually we're going to record this one. Here we go. We ha- we have to capture the magic now. There we go. So if you don't know Tony. Uh, Tony's been in town a little longer than I have. I came in 2000. He came just before I did. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, we, you know, our journey in the city has been pretty similar. When I was a youth minister in town, uh, I mean, Tony was in the band leading percussion and just doing his thing. He is, you know, a musical genius and just generally a good guy. He's an artist, a videographer, a creative element. Tony, you're just, you're a really neat guy. And you, I, what I want to tell our church is that you know my friendship with you is it's twenty years old in some capacity, mm-hmm. right? And most of that it's been acquaintance. Mm-hmm. It's been oh yeah, that's Tony Lyman. Mm-hmm. We've had uh, pedal band kids from the church who mm-hmm. loved you. You know I've seen your influence on some of the people that I care about. And so uh, you know I, I think over the years we've developed that. But then most recently, you know, twenty twenty has been marked by a ton of stuff. But one of the things that's marked twenty twenty is just sort of an awakening of racial frustration. Mm-hmm. And you and I have had a lot of conversations about that. We've joined in with other people for you know private prayers and dialogue. Um, you and I have been pretty engaged the last several months, and so have other leaders in pedal in different ways. Absolutely. Um, and I just wanted to capture some of that because. Hey man, at this time of year, I think people need to see some hope. Like, where's the light? Is there any light? You know, is there some good things happening? Do we see some hope? And I just, I find some hope, you know, in the conversations mm-hmm. that we've had. And I just thought maybe you could just like give some perspective for our church family. So before we go farther in the conversation, we just set this up with your background. Just, you've shared your testimony and it, your testimony impacted me. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I mean, people can't see, you know, but I'm I'm a white guy. Mm-hmm. You're an African American brother. Mm-hmm. You shared your testimony with me, um, you know, several months back, mm-hmm. and it it just helped for me to add a layer of understanding. Mm-hmm. So, if you don't mind, will you share some of that? Absolutely, with church family. Well, I grew up in Greenwood, Mississippi, and um, you know, I'm a I'm a '70s baby, and uh, grew up mainly throughout the '80s in in the Mississippi Delta. Um, uh, fatherless, never knew who my father was. Um, my mother did the best that she could, uh, but unfortunately, she was uh, addicted to drugs, and um, you know, it, taking care of me was a struggle. So, um, basically, I was raised by my grandmother, and um, you know, all of the things that go along with not having that, you know nuclear family so to speak and and being involved with other friends that that had that that absence was something that i had to contend with you know and make sense of and um you know i i I went to a school that was uh where i was one of a handful of black kids and i was going to school out of district 
And, uh, and the way that that happened was my mom, I actually lived next to the elementary school that I was supposed to go to. Literally, I, it was the next block over. It was, I could walk there and be there in about 45 seconds. But my mom felt like that wasn't, she saw something in me that I guess, you know, and, and to this day, I think is the, the greatest thing she ever did for me. She saw something in me that she didn't think that that school was, was equipped enough to help me go where she thought I could go. So um, we worked it out to where my grandmother um, babysat for some of the school's um, teachers. And at the time, we're looking at, you know, this is 1978, 79 is when I started first grade. And um, this, this school was just being integrated on purpose. Like it was integrated in 1970. So we're, we're eight years into that. So obviously they wanted to make sure that they had enough African-American teachers at this school. So my grandmother babysat for some of them for free so that they would give me a ride to school. And everybody at the school, including the principal, everybody knew I was going to school out of district. However, my grandmother was a part of this ecosystem. If she could provide the babysitting for these teachers, then they could have the childcare needed for them to be a part of the school and they wouldn't leave. So it worked out. So I got to be there. Now, so I'm dropped into this system and and I wasn't the the easiest kid to deal. I I I didn't do like I wasn't bad bad. <laughs> but if anybody who knows me now, I was just like I am now, but as, you know, a first grader through eighth grader. Um, and uh, I, I always stayed in this world of uh, the teachers uh, wanting to laugh at what I did and said, but knowing that it was a disruption most of the time. Right. And I that sounds familiar. That exactly. Sounds like me. I feel yeah. the same way. Exactly. But I knew that. that there's a difference when you don't know that. Yeah, I got you. But I knew that. I knew the psychology of it. As a first grader, I yeah. knew this. And I knew how to play those lines. And it. Th that's that was my life growing up. So, um, the, the, you're, you're out of district. I'm assuming that the school you went to out of district had better academic opportunities. It, had, it did. It, it, it was it was an all white school, kind of the of the. It was a county school, so is the rural upper crust. I, I guess. If, I, I don't sense. even know if you can. You know, growing up in the Mississippi Delta in the '80s, I don't know if you can classify rural upper crust as right. anything. But, but it was a better opportunity. It was a better opportunity. And while I was there. Um, I got really interested in the band. The band was the biggest thing that was happening. It was the most successful thing that happened at this school. And what made this band unique, first of all, it was the largest elementary school band in the state of Mississippi. And the, the band director of this was a young African-American male. And it was mostly all white kids. I'm like, I was one of four black kids in the band, African-American male, Graduate of Jackson State University. Role model. Instantly my role. This guy, Don Sias, stepped in as as my father. I mean, he was my father figure, my role model. He was a drummer. And you're a drummer. And I'm a drummer. And um, from that moment, I felt like that was more than just a coincidence. You know? And... And, I, and as I tell you, this is kind of the cornerstone of my faith is I, I always have felt like I've been watched over. 
because things like that and situations like that have occurred over and over and over again where I've been at the right place at the right time with where the right people were too many times for it to be a coincidence. And, you know, Tony, I know you and I have talked about this, but we think that that was for a purpose. That, that Absolutely. You know, the, not, not just to give you opportunity, but with that opportunity that you could have influence, that you might, because you understand, like coming out of the Mississippi Delta, mm-hmm. you have seen, experienced things as an African-American male. Absolutely. From the Mississippi Delta. Mm-hmm. You're, you know, you and I grew up about the same time. Exactly. But I bet if we just sat around for a couple hours and talked about, you know, all the details of our childhood, if I could borrow your eyes for a few minutes, you could borrow mine, mm-hmm. I, I bet we lived in some ways radically different. Mm-hmm. You know, and and especially with you explaining, you know, your mother was a, was a drug addict. You were raised by mm-hmm. your grandmother. Uh, so many, so many things. And I don't think those things. I, I don't. I don't think that the Lord giving you the opportunity, the influence that you have now, was an accident, right? No. But band became your outlet, and mm-hmm. uh, I'm sure you excelled in high school band. Absolutely, I, I, I bet you dominated. I was. Um, the The first thing I remember, the first time I realized that I was okay at doing this was I was in the fifth grade, which was the first time you could join in, and I was younger just because of my the date that I uh, when they started first graders back in the seventies was November first, and that's my birthday. Right. Okay. So I was always the youngest, the youngest person. Kid in class, yeah. yeah. So I'm in the fifth grade, and I think I'm how old? I was nine. I know. I know exactly how old. I was nine years old. And um, we had auditions for chairs, and I'm I've been in band, you know. It's December. I we I joined band in July, and we had auditions, and I beat the eighth grade section leader. Now you're talking. Yeah, first first audition I ever did, I I, I beat that guy. And was this on was this drums? Was this was drums. Oh. Yeah, this is on drums. I'm I'm playing. I've been playing drums July since. July to December, and all of a sudden, I'm the best guy there. You're getting good at it. And there are all these eighth graders. Um, uh, Now, I'll tell you who that drummer was. Uh, The drummer's name, and you might know this name, people who who have gone to Ole Miss, the drummer's name was Gerald Glass. Gerald Glass played basketball, was a basketball star at Ole Miss and went on to play for the Timberwolves in the NBA. That's right, yeah. So it was him. There you go. Uh, but he can't touch you. He's better in layups. But yeah, he, he was. You on the he could dunk a ball, but I could play rim shots. There you <laughs> go. <laughs> uh, and and so I I immediately that just that was my path. Like I knew this is what I wanted to do with my life. There was no question about it. To the point where you know some of my academics, I, I had to be reminded that I was going to school to to be a student and not play drums. That's right. Um, <clears throat> So uh, that propelled me into going into college. I got a full scholarship. I, I had a number of scholarships. Where'd you go? I went to the University of Southern Mississippi, which is how I got here. To the top. I, absolutely. is. It, I refer to it as God's University. There you go. And so does my wife. Exactly. I, I married exactly. A, a Golden Eagle. Exactly. And, you know... And I know that that makes some people from state no Miss jealous, but it you know. Hey, I'm one of those people. And everybody, I'm okay with it. everybody good. can't get into Southern Miss. I'm okay know? with that. I'm okay. <laughs> you know what? You know what I want to do. So I know that. So you went to college, band scholarship. Mm-hmm. You know, you know. We fast forward the story, and I mean, I see what you do here. Mm-hmm. I, oh my goodness! You know, you're very, very talented. But, but, um, I what I want to do. I want to hit pause on the podcast for a minute, mm-hmm. and tell me what I'd like to do is. In tomorrow's episode of the podcast, I want to pick up right here 
And I want, I want to hear how God got you from college scholarship mm-hmm. to influencing the next generation. And okay. I also want to talk about what are you doing with that influence? Like, what do you want the next generation to see, to okay. hear, to experience? So, all right. All right. So, Tony Lyman, thanks for being a podcast guest today. And thanks for coming back for tomorrow's episode. 